0: Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our last message in our series, Fix Your Thoughts. In this series, we've been examining Philippians 4.8, and I just want to begin by reading that verse for you one last time. Paul writes, fix your thoughts. In other words, dwell on, or meditate on, or think about things that are true honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things or dwell on these things, focus on these things. Now in this series, we've began the whole process by looking at the verses leading up to Philippians 4.8 and examine that Paul in this writing was in prison. And he was in prison with... Many people who were supposed followers of Christ, people who were telling others about Jesus, just like himself, who had put him there in prison, in chains. Now, they had different motives. His was purely to glorify God, but yet he still praised God. And this part of the letter of Philippians was written as a response to two individuals who were at odds with one another. These two individuals were at one time very important in spreading the message of Jesus alongside of Paul. But as we came to understand, something had happened, whether one did something that got the other angry or a disagreement happened of some kind, the reality was they were no longer in agreement. And Paul says to get them back on mission. And it began by focusing their attention back on where it needed to be back on Jesus. And so this whole series was birthed out of my time in in kind of just reflection over the last three plus years where we've experienced a lot of turmoil in our world, not just here in America, but in our world where a lot of negativity has really dominated the day. And we've gotten off focus. In fact, In the church, we've had this mentality in the last few years of us versus the world. And the world tells us to do this, and we're like, that doesn't line up with God, so we're going to fight. We're going to take arms, and we're going to go do battle, which is, in some responses, important to do. We need to take a stand for what's right. However, when we look at the life of Jesus and the life of Paul, they did not reflect that kind of response. Their response was to serve or to focus on others. And so in this passage, we've stepped back from all the things in this world that. Absolutely come flying at us nonstop every day through social media, through regular news media, uh, through work or through uh, our schools, our neighborhoods, our families. All these things continue to pour in on us. And we stopped in this series and we said, what is it that we are going to be dominated by? It doesn't matter what we face in this world. I want to tell you again For the fifth time in this series, we can live in abundance no matter what we face in life. Paul was in prison. Jesus was on a cross, but yet they didn't allow the world around them to determine their internal state. They could live with the reality of an abundant life no matter what their circumstances. And so through this series, we've looked at these attributes or these concepts that Paul tells us to fix our thoughts on. We began with what is truth. The very first one, he says, what is truth?" In this world, we have a lot of experts, but a lot, not a lot of people that we trust. And so what we want to do is we want to examine through God's Word, what is truth? Because God's Word is really the only source of truth that we can be confident in at this time, anyway. We can also be confident in what God speaks to us through prayer. And, for the most part, through those who know us well and are followers of Christ themselves. So that is our truth. Then we focused on the next week on what is good. And we kind of combined the what is honorable, what is admirable, what is right, what is pure, and what is excellent all into one and said, really, these all are saying the same thing. We are to fix our thoughts on what is good. What is good? Whatever, obviously, reflects God is good. And so we can, again, look at this world and fix our thoughts on what is good. And then last week, kind of very similarly, We looked at what is lovely or what is beautiful. What What is this full love look like, this fullness? Again, much like goodness, it can be found in the world around us through people, through nature, uh, through things we've created that reflect God's goodness. Anything that reflects God and his beauty can be dwelt upon. We can fix our thoughts on. And so all of that is leading up to today's finality, what I really was excited about. And I wish that you could be here in person because today is all about being praiseworthy, fixing our thoughts on what is praiseworthy. And in our service, in our live service, we are going to be having a wonderful time of praising Jesus and giving him the glory. So today, even though you can't be a part of us, we can talk about what deserves our praise, what what qualifies as being worthy of praise. Now, there's a lot of things in this world that can be worthy of our praise, right? Somebody who gives to a person in need is worthy of praise. As somebody who maybe fosters a, a kid or adopts kids. They deserve praise. They are worthy of it, right? People who continue to to fight despite all the odds that are stacked against them, whether it's physical or social or whatever, they don't give up. They keep fighting for what is good. They are worthy of praise. And likewise, being a caring, loving person to maybe a difficult person at work or at school, or in your family, or in your neighborhood, all of those are really good examples of things that are worthy of praise, right? The reality is, is that every person alive has a a deep need. It's a need, not a want, not necessarily just a desire. This is a need to receive admiration. To receive some kind of recognition. We all have that inside of us to know that what we're doing makes a difference, adds value to life, right? So all things can be that are good and represent Christ, can and should be praised. However, I want to make a very clear distinction today. Though things should be honored and praised and looked at as good. Your identity should not be dictated by what others say of you, whether good or bad, right? We shouldn't determine who we are in our sense of worth based upon others. We need reassurance from our loved ones and coworkers and bosses and fellow classmates and teachers, yet that shouldn't be what defines who we are. I want to read what Jesus told the religious elites in John 5, 44. Listen to how he put this. I think this is very important for us today. How can you believe since you accept the glory from one another but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. See, <laughs> Jesus understood that it is so incredibly easy to fall into the, the trap of needing our sense of worth from others. To base who we are and our, our, our need to fill our tanks upon what other people say. Because it's hard, it's hard when when God and his view of you is so hard to get your teeth sunk into right it's hard to get your arms around because god is is supernatural, he is beyond this world, and what he says of us through god's word his his Bible and through prayer and time with him, though he could fill your tank, it's so hard to to grasp it because it's so otherworldly and and it just doesn't. Doesn't hit us the same as how others speak about us and our value to them. But yet God should be the one who determines our identity. Charles Spurgeon in reflection of this passage said, When a man gets to feel that he ought to be honored, he is in extreme danger. How many live on the breath of their fellow men to be approved, to be applauded? That is their heaven. That is their heaven. To be approved by others and not God. That is, that is as far as it goes. You feel good about yourself. But the approval of God is eternity with him. It's that, that fullness to know that, that you are all that God needs to be. You and who you are and who you are becoming, you are becoming more like his son every day. That, that should be where your identity is found. That should be where your self-worth is found in knowing that God looks at you and says, you are my prized son. You're my prized daughter. I see Jesus in you, and it's growing and becoming more and more like who he was. That is your source of identity, your source of worth. That's what you should be working for. So receiving honor from others is a great practice we can all improve on, right? Receiving and honoring others should be something that we spend our life working on and becoming better at, right? We should always desire that, to be better at saying, hey, nice job, you did awesome. That's a, that's, that's a reflection of what God says about us. What God says about us, we should be desiring to tell others. And it's something that we desire ourselves. And that's great. But truly, there is only one worthy of praise. There is only one who should be praising you. And that is God himself. God is the one to be praised. He is the one to be glorified. And when he looks down upon you, he says, there's my son. There's my daughter made in the image of Christ himself. They're giving me all the honor. They're giving me all the glory and they're bringing as many as possible with them into my kingdom. That is where we should find our ultimate source of work. And so as we transition to, what does it mean to praise? I want to leave you with that thought. There's only one worthy of praise. And he looks down upon you and says, there's my son. There's my daughter. I'm so proud of them." That is where our worth should be. And so what does it mean to praise God? Ultimately, our praise comes from him ultimately, our praise should be found in him. And so we give it back to him. It is a cycle of us worshiping him, praising him. And he looks down and he's like, that's my son. That's my daughter. So how can we praise God? The first point I want to make today is giving praise is more than singing a song. It's more than singing a song. We get so caught up in, like, praise is all about singing and worshiping and, and, and giving God glory through songs. And it is. It is. But it's so much more. John Piper put it this way. He said, we belittle God when we go through the outward motions of worship and take no pleasure in his person. You see, worship isn't worship unless we're giving God thanks. Right? That is worship when we're giving him thanks, when we're telling him how awesome he is and what he means to us, that is worship. Hebrews 13.5 puts it this way. It says, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. See, praise is more than singing a song on the screen, like I said. Here it is, though. It's pouring out love from a life that has been impacted by the spirit of God. It's it's giving God our best, our best in life out of response of what the living God has done for us. So giving praise is more than singing a song and giving praise then is a reflection of our heart. Giving praise is a reflection of our heart. Chris Tomlin, the great worship artist of the late 90s, early 2000s, said, God isn't moved by the quality of our voice, but by the condition of our hearts. It's the condition of our hearts. It's, it's again, taking that step of how God has impacted our lives, how he's changed us, how he's given us access to be with the Father, and that that leads us into a heart that's been transformed, and out of it comes worship. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? When when you've given up your life to live for him, you say, you are my God. I believe that you died for me. I'm making you the ruler of my life and my savior. You're ultimately saying, I am now a vessel for your Holy Spirit to live in. And it's no longer I who lives, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit that he sent through me. So Paul is saying, your body is not your own. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. The heart. Worship. Praise. It's a reflection of our hearts. And we know that a heart that's been greatly impacted, we know that a heart that's been transformed, By the Holy Spirit, ultimately, it affects not just our life, but our actions. What we say, what we do, how we live our life. You see, praise is your life. Praise is your life. Louis Giglio, another worship artist from the late 90s, early 2000s, said, Worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response to what we value most. As a result, worship fuels our actions, becoming the driving force in all we do. Worship is what we value most. So the question, (laughs) well, that this leads us to then is what do you worship in your life? What do you praise through your life? A lot of times we like to say whatever takes our time and whatever takes our money, that is where our priorities lie. Well, That's what we worship, right? What takes your time? What takes your money? Now, obviously, Can't just hand God our money, right? And so what we give our time and our money towards reflects where our priorities are, what we worship. So what do you worship? Do your thoughts reflect a love for Jesus or something else? If we were to fix our thoughts on what is worthy of praise, what's got your thoughts? What's got your actions, your heart, your time, your money? A.W. Tozer summarized it this way as we come to an end. I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that a man or woman on earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. See, everything else that we worship Truly isn't worship unless it's God. Because there's only one who deserves the glory. There's only one who is worthy of praise, and that is God. Everything else is false worship. So if we're bored by true worship and our attention goes off to other things that are not worthy of any worship, it's a dangerous thing. Today, as we close this series down of fixing our thoughts, I want to read to you kind of a picture of what heaven is going to be like. It comes from Psalm 148 and Psalm 150, very short chapters. Just listen. Friends, this is what heaven is going to be like. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all the heavenly armies. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens, and ye waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever. He gave an order that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and cloud, stormy winds that executes his commands, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, all old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers the heavens and the earth. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. Then verse 1 or chapter 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. That is heaven. That is heaven. You will spend all of eternity giving me one and only one who deserves praise. Are you ready? Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is noble or honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent. And what is worthy of praise. I want to remind you again before we end our time that whether you are in the depth of a valley, of a low point, or on a pinnacle, a high point in your life, or somewhere in between, you don't have to allow any circumstance to rob you of the abundant life. That God promised you in Jesus Christ. You can have abundance. It all begins right here. Right here. What you're thinking about. And how it's impacting how you feel. Paul could be in the middle of prison. Jesus could be on the cross. And yet. They had abundant life. Because they found where their source of hope was. I want to leave you with Paul's final thoughts. After he told his people what to fix their thoughts on. he stated in verse 11, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being Content, you can find your source of hope, of joy, of peace, of purpose, of identity in Jesus Christ because he has given you abundant life. Father, I pray for every person listening that they can truly get their mind off of all the things around them that want to rob them of this joy the comparison game that so comes into our hearts and minds so often, the the feeling of not being good enough that takes us away. God, we are enough in you, and we have all that we need in you. So I pray that you would remind again that we can intentionally find joy by fixing our thoughts on what is true, what is good, what is lovely, and what is worthy of praise. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you, Nexus Church family online, if you have any questions or thoughts or you need to reach out to anyone, please go to nexuschurchmn.com and you can find all the ways that you can connect with us there. we'll see you again next week when we start a new series called Warrior. Can't wait. We'll see you then.